0: Hello, welcome to 1.1 Song. This is the very first episode. My name's Elliot Porter. I'm a singer-songwriter and I'm going to be speaking to loads of different artists, loads of great songwriters who I'm a big fan of, basically. Um, we're going to be doing a series where we go and talk about a song which they've written and we also talk about a song by an artist that they love. So we kind of, um, we're going to look behind the song, look at the influences behind the song, look at Um, something about the lyrics, and just pretty much anything about the song. And we're also going to be having a beer, so cheers. And welcome along to the first episode. Thank you for being with us. We are streaming on Facebook, uh, YouTube uh, and Isolation Gigs, um, our platform on Facebook. And um, if you've got any comments, if you've got any questions for the artists, uh, please put them in the comments section and I will read them out if I can. Um, try and keep him clean and I'll put him on screen and then we'll kind of create a little kind of Q&A hopefully at the end. So I'm very pleased um, to have with me today uh, M.G. Bolter, um, who is a, a fantastic folk artist who I've met a few years ago when we were both touring kind of um, different, on different tours, but we kind of ended up in the same venue a couple of times. And um, it's, it's really great to have um, him with me today. And I'm just going to play a very quick clip of, um, of a new song, which he is coming out soon, along with the album Clifftown.
1: Night worker, night worker, doing your rounds. The Lights are the office block, burn as you drown. The thoughts of the morning in humble industry. The gate of your walk in this moonlight city Drunker, drunk girl, leaving too soon the parties of tomorrow will never live up to you. So let's in your head
0: Hello how you doing? Hello, Elliot. I'm very well. Thanks for having me on your show. Excellent. No worries at all. No worries at all. That's um, that's a really beautiful song. Um, I was just sitting there listening. I was I was thinking I should have put the whole song on. Actually, <laughs> never mind. But we'll kind of we'll kind of unpack it. So, how are you doing anyway? How how is this very strange time treating you? First and foremost.
2: Yeah, I, I have to admit, I'm I'm well. I'm healthy. Um, I'm, I'm staking it out here in my flat. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: my one exercise a day, but yeah, I'm, I'm generally good. Yeah. yeah
0: thank you. Yeah. For asking. No, that's good. Yeah. I try and ask everyone because obviously it is very difficult. Um, yeah. Like we're, we're lucky, aren't we? We kind of like, we can still do music and we can still do what we want to do. Um, obviously no gigging and things like that, but um, Hey, we've got platforms like this, which we can use, which is great. <laughs> yeah. um, and, as it's 1.1 one one so I'm I'm drinking a cider. What what have you got today?
2: <laughs> well, so I I've, I've gone for a Innocent Gun lager beer. Ah, yes. crafted in Scotland. Um I was going to go for tea, but I thought I thought why not? i haven't seen yeah. you for a long time.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, definitely. Also a pint of tea would be but a lot <laughs> yeah. of tea, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like I like the Innocent Gun. I've, I've I've had that myself a few times. It's it's a lovely one actually yeah Um, i
2: I mean i just a small story about it actually yeah go for it yeah i'd never heard of it before and then i i I went to see a friend in sheffield and i'd I'd driven all the way up there um absolutely exhausted and he only had one can of beer in his house this is it (laughs) and it tasted like you know the elixir of life so i've I've been a fan ever since
0: that that was that was a savior from that long from that long (laughs) journey that's amazing um yeah i think it's i think it's great beer so we are we are basically what we're going to do with, with One Pint, One Song. Um, it's pretty much as, as simple as it says on, on the beer can, really. Um, it's We're going to talk about one of your songs, which is going to be on your new album, Clifftown, I believe. Yeah. Yep. Um, and that's Night Worker. It is. So um, I've listened to that song quite a few times now, and I think it's absolutely beautiful. And one thing I, I've always um, admired about your songwriting is that the lyrical kind of storytelling, um, and I think it's it, it's just brilliant kind of lyrics in there, and, and it's a story which unfolds in my mind as soon as I listen to it, and I think I think that's like a mark of of a really really good songwriter is if you can if you can get a picture, um, for, if the listener gets a picture in their mind straight away. That for me that's really powerful, and um, just from the first few kind of lines of that song, I, I did, and even listening to that clip, so. Um I think it's amazing. So how how does how does Night Worker kind of fit into the album? Is it is it one of your was it one of your favourite tracks on the album? It,
2: it wasn't actually, no. It's mm. that, that's an interesting question. I think so so the album is about uh, the album's called Cliff Town and um I found myself writing a lot of songs about my environment in my hometown of South End on Sea in Essex for those yep. I don't know and it started coming together that i had a, a selection of songs that sort of fed into this idea of of south end and seaside experiences um and night worker fitted into that really nicely um because it's got a particular story to it about the train train lines mm. and it was an idea that i'd had for quite a long time um and it, it mainly goes back to when i was a lot younger uh, and I was doing a lot of gigs in London and I'd always run for the last train home uh, at Fenchurch yeah. And I, I used to yeah. be in lots of bands and you'd just, you'd do your gig and you'd stay really late and then you wouldn't realise the time. You had about 10 minutes to get across London to get the last train home. Legging
0: it, yeah. Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> and then in the city of London, for those, you know, who may, who may be able to relate to this, very late at night, you know, most of the city of London is insurance companies, banks. And of course it just drains of people Um, after working hours. So when you're down there very late at night, it's a very serene, very quiet place. And I used to run down Fenchurch Street and used to see all these security guards sitting in the atriums of these massive glass towers at sort of 12 o'clock or one in the morning. And that stuck with me for many years because I thought that was quite a romantic um, <laughs> a romantic way to spend an evening, just yeah, being yeah. on your own, you know, in this lovely, lovely, quiet place. Obviously, the reality is not like that, I'm sure. So that's where the sort of kernel of the idea of Night Worker happened. And that obviously um, fitted really nicely in with the, the themes of the, the album.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree, actually. I think that's beautiful. I one one thing i i did do um during the the early part of december i think i did go into london for the first time in ages and um i spent a bit of time walking around and it was like that because of lockdown so it was that how, kind of dis- was it
2: like sort of everything really quiet and the trains
0: it, were quiet? it was strange yeah that there was like no one on the trains there was like one or two people i think even one train i got on there was just me on it <laughs> um and uh and yeah but i completely agree it, it is quite a serene kind of beautiful thing, London after dark, I think, like Mm. when those areas kind of like bank and places like that and monument and things like that along the river, it gets really quiet, but you kind of see London in its beauty then, don't you?
2: I I totally agree. I think, as you say, there's something quite mystical about the emptiness of it. And especially Mm. if you go to, as you say, bank or monument or Fenchurch, Liverpool Street, during the day pre-COVID, it's absolutely packed. It's yeah. you know, Everybody in the world is there. And then as soon as sort of 10 o'clock hits, it, it's quieter. And, you know, as you know, musicians were always up at all sorts of strange hours. Oh, yeah. yeah it's yeah. beautiful. You know, and you've got all the statues there on the buildings and, you know, just everything's lit up, but just no one there. It's a really strange, beautiful yeah. sensation, I think.
0: That, that reminds me actually there's a pub i think it's called like the old jamaican inn or something it's it's tucked around the back of like near fenchurch street and bank um and it's like going back in time you go in you go going oh. down these tiny little um kind of um little lane to get there and, and then all of a sudden there's this pub tucked in between like four or five tall buildings and you're like wow and, it, and it's literally like going back in time it reminds me of that kind of thing like really nice. There's, late at, late there's at night. great. Yeah. There's
2: great pubs uh, around that area because everyone always thinks of the city is the sort of, you know, all all brand spanking new and all those sorts of um, new developments, shopping mm. centre developments around St Paul's and those places. But you're right. There's some really old, old pubs. There's one by St Paul's that I think Christopher Wren either designed or had a quaff there after Ooh, he was. Wow after a day's building I don't know <laughs> architecting um and there's quite a few actually uh, around by Leadenhall and places like that yeah yeah
0: really. Leadenhall market that's that's a quite a cool area actually yeah I like, I like it around there um there's a lyric in there's a lyric in that song which I I really loved um I think it I think it's something about a drunk girl at last night's parties could mm. could you tell me what that lyric is exactly I can't I can't remember exactly yeah
2: that, that's a really good, I'm really glad you focused on that. Mm. A good <laughs> that. Well, well picked.
0: We didn't set uh, this up.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, so, so the, the lyric goes, drunk girl, drunk girl, mm. leave too soon. The parties of tomorrow will never live up to you. Stilettos in your hand, your heart on your sleeve, go home to the comfort of midnight and sleep. So good, and yeah. and that, that, was, that was a direct observation of again when you're getting the last train home or the last few trains home anyone that gets on the Fenchurch Street to South End, Thought Bay, Shoebury, Nest Line will totally relate to this but if you get on those late night trains you tend to get a lot of drunk people a lot yeah. of office workers having late night drinks on the way home but weekends it's even worse because people are coming back from clubs and theatres and and it's a really beautiful, lovely atmosphere. Everyone's drunk. Everyone talks to you. It can be yeah. a bit unwanted at times if, you, if you're if you not drunk and you just want to quiet, <laughs> you get home. Um, but one of the characters on those trains is the is the, is the drunk girl. Um, and you get a lot of office girls that have had a lot to drink yeah. and they tend to be vomiting copiously <laughs> in the toilet <laughs> on the yeah. station platforms, um, yeah. and tend to be holding their stilettos in their hand so they run for the train they've generally got half a drunk bottle of prosecco on them as well yeah
0: yeah and,
2: and i love it i think that to me that that's life and you know it, it, as long as it's harmless obviously mm, mm. um it's just a lovely thing to observe i think and you know humans in their full glory
0: yeah i absolutely agree and that kind of observational kind of writing is something that i enjoy because i i find it impossible not to kind of observe people as as they're going about their kind of yeah. lives and many and many a time i've sat on the those late night trains um back from london after a gig with my guitar and um mm. you know you do start talking to all kinds of interesting people and, and you know I, occasionally i've played a song or two um you know through peer pressure but i was um, gonna
2: say that if you've got a guitar or any kind of instrument you yeah are, they zone in on you in like yeah play your instrument play us something and, uh, you are
0: you are you are definitely doomed to to definitely play another gig even I if you've already played yeah absolutely <laughs> um chloe says chloe's my sister actually she says we know all about the late night trains don't we uh, yes we we really do um she's a singer as well and uh yeah we've we've definitely always always frequented those late late night trains because you know that's what you do isn't it like you say
2: <laughs> yeah I, I mean in south end i've heard it referred to as the vomit comet which i, <laughs> I uh, quite a funny uh, thing and it, and it always is it's a lot worse chloe will probably relate to this as well it's always a lot worse at christmas oh, or yeah. on, uh, um bank holidays because everyone you know everyone's on it all the time so yeah
0: yeah absolutely so in terms of not night worker, um, is is that going to be like a a standout song on the album? Is it going to be like a single kind of thing, or is it? Like... It's
2: it's not. No, it's, no, we we've just released a. It's the album's coming out on a fantastic um, label called Hudson Records, which yeah. is based in Sheffield, and um, we released a single of it. Uh, we, we, sorry, we released a single from it uh, last week called Midnight Movies. Um, oh, night cool. worker is not going to be a single and if you're going to push me on whether i think it's one of the better songs on the album (laughs) i'd probably say not
0: oh wow (laughs) it's not
2: not one personally that i am you know that i i I cherish i I like i like all my songs like my children but it's it's not one of my favorite children
0: absolutely well that that sets a high bar for the album then because (laughs) um, that makes us look forward to the album even more but it is funny isn't it like there's um I have songs on, on, on my albums and stuff and EPs or whatever, which I, I kind of, there's some that I la- absolutely love and, and, and some which I, I love, but I don't ever think they're going to be popular or they're not yeah. going to be the, the things that people go for. And, and do you find sometimes you play a song live and, and, and you get a completely different reaction to you, to you thought you might get um, and then it ends up becoming kind of like a, a song which people ask for. Or,
2: yeah, absolutely, and I think there's a there's an American singer-songwriter called John Hyatt, and I read, mm. I read an interview with him many years ago, and I think he came up with something really interesting. that He mm. said, you write songs, and you instantly love some of them, you hate some of them, you're indifferent to some of them, and then as you rehearse them, you change your views of them so that some of the ones you instantly like, once you've played them at gigs a hundred times, you're sick of them. Yeah. But then ones that you didn't were indifferent to, you hated, suddenly they become your, your favourites. And then when you record them, it changes again.
0: Yeah. And I
2: think I, I think I completely relate to what you've just said there because you know, there's songs that I've written that I think are fantastic and I really, really love. But in recorded form, I'm like no the arrangement's not doesn't do it for me or isn't doesn't excite me anymore. Um and then of Obviously, when you gig, there are ones that you absolutely love playing, but on the album, they may not be the ones that shine out on the album. So, yeah, yeah totally. And I think as a songwriter, you, something very healthy that I like to do is just just accept all the songs as they are and and not be too precious about mm. them. Even if you love them, just you don't have to play them for every gig if there's one that's working more than those do that one I, I think if you're not so precious about them and you you see them all as a whole and um, you can live with them better. yeah
0: absolutely and and obviously it's going to be a bit different i guess releasing the songs into the world this time because you're not gonna initially be able to play them live like i guess you normally would do on your because you you're you've usually got a pretty busy touring schedule haven't you
2: yeah, and I, I think you know we we were talking about this earlier. I think mm. you know the whole COVID situation is is perfectly understandable, but it's absolutely squashed any any gig plans. So it's it's going to be a very different release because I would normally gig a lot
0: to sell yeah. the,
2: sell the copies. So I'm going to have to think of other ways. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah absolutely and and have you got into any live streaming at all um during the
2: yeah the- I, I i didn't i didn't really take to live streaming I, mm. I felt when when the pandemic started when lockdown started in march i really enjoyed the first month of not doing anything it was really nice just to put brakes on on my life and just slow down a bit um and i think a lot of musicians started live streaming and i didn't really feel the need or the call i'm not taking technically very proficient at computers so I, I didn't really have a natural affinity with it however as the, the restrictions carried on i did do a live stream in june or july i think and that was in aid of a lot of the gigs that, that had cancelled because of covid mm. and they were getting no money so I did a, a fundraising gig online and then I did a, an online gig for a, a local festival to me, Lee Folk Festival.
0: Oh, yes, I
2: know that. I, yeah. I have to be honest, I I enjoyed it. The, the comments were nice, but you, it was. I was just playing in a room on my own. That's how yeah. it felt. And um, I think you really miss the audience. You need human beings together. And, you know, for anyone watching that, comes to watch shows you are absolutely crucial you know the mm. energy you give and the you know that human contact is absolutely essential i think for performers to you know to feed what we do so yeah i did a few but it didn't really float my boat
0: yeah yeah i i, I completely I'm, i know exactly what you mean about the the energy because you, you you have the energy going one way and you don't have it kind of coming back which is that natural kind of energy which which a room a room creates with people in it doesn't it um w- yeah you know we Under- we played um was was that room in in Cambridge called i think it's c b two and um I think we played the uh, i think that's when I first met you actually a few years ago um
2: yeah, because we did that we did we've done a um we did a oh hang on no, we did a gig in um the Portland arms. In oh Canada. the portland as well yeah we did, yeah. Uh, we did cb2 yeah. which was the cafe downstairs wasn't it yeah in, uh, yeah in the sort of um basement and then we've done some more i'm sure we did one in bedfordshire
0: actually yeah that 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 was yeah. a beautiful barn kind of venue wasn't it yeah. The, um, in, in Bedford.
2: Awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah yeah that was um that was amazing and um but yeah that 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 think the, the room in cb2 i remember um I remember it quite well actually, because I was going to mic the the room up and you know set up a, a PA system and stuff. And um, I got down there and I, I was chatting to you beforehand, and and I think I think you you were you were in favour of playing completely you know without any, um, yeah. any mics or anything like that. And I and I, I don't normally play like that, but um, I actually thought well actually it's going to save me a lot of time and and effort and looking at the room it's so small but it's one of those rooms which i believe kind of it's got a natural energy anyway and without the without the sound system i i found it to be like it was one of my favorite gigs it was just beautiful beautiful kind of um completely acoustic and um yeah it kind of goes to prove doesn't it that sometimes a room just needs someone with a guitar or a you know um Whatever instrument they've got, or just singing sometimes.
2: Yeah, I I totally agree. I think I think I learned that. I think it takes a lot of confidence when you're doing a gig. It takes a lot of confidence just to say we don't need the PA. And I think for me, I I saw—I can't remember who it was—I saw I went to a gig, and it was someone. It was something like the uh, Borderline in um, the West End of London. It was somewhere where it was a sizeable enough gig, and the PA blew up. And the the performer just didn't didn't faze him at all. And he just went, Don't worry, got his guitar and he, he went out into the crowd. And it was captivating. It drew it drew everybody in. And I, I tried it a couple of gigs and it, it seemed to work. So I think that C B two I I wasn't being cavalier with, with,
1: <laughs>
2: with it. But I just, it was, its it was a nice room, wasn't it? And and the audience were quiet and respectful and it was a small audience. So yeah. it, it felt like a, a natural thing. And I think it doesn't work in every situation. You couldn't, you couldn't just do it, especially if someone's talking at the bar. <laughs> it's oh, got yeah. situations where everyone's into the gig. It's small enough for your voice not to get lost. And, you know, cause I played, guitar quite quietly as well mm, so
0: mm, mm. yeah yeah it, it has to be it has to be a kind of intimate kind of listening audience and and yeah like a, a room like that is completely right and I, I'm really glad we did because it um it was really interesting actually it was really nice um so one thing I did I have noticed when when I've kind of um been off stage kind of watch watching watching you play is the the brilliant kind of stories you tell in between the in between the songs. So you always give like a really good kind of, um, background to the, to the songs. Um, and I think storytelling is probably like, it's probably one of the key things in in your writing, isn't it? Like, um, I know you're, I know you're very, very into history and, and, mm. and things like that. And is that, is that the case with this album as well?
2: Yeah. I, I, I think there's a couple of points there. I think, uh, Elliot, I think, you know, when you perform, uh well no actually go, going back i think as a performer you, you have to find your voice i think in anything mm. you do you have to be you don't you and i think yeah I, I obviously i can only speak for myself but when i was younger and when i started playing guitar i just i just wanted to emulate what i saw and i didn't really think about what i or who i was as a person it was all about right well i've seen that on top of the pop so that's that's what i'll do mm. and i i had a bit of a revelation in sort of 2010 2011 when i just realized i am who i am and i i like history and i like stories and i feel certain things and i think in certain ways about things and so i started putting that in the songwriting and that made me feel much more comfortable and much more aware of what i was doing and why i was doing it and then i think that the the sort of the patter between songs it doesn't come easy for me mm. uh, i think it's a bit like doing a best man speech when everyone expects you <laughs> expect you to be funny i think in a perfect world i'd just go on stage play my guitar sing not say a thing and then just go home but obviously it's showbiz isn't it you have to entertain people and in between, when you're tuning up and you know making things interesting you have to you have to talk and for me i found it comfortable i felt i was comfortable talking about the songs and and the reasoning and the, the ideas and the thoughts behind the songs um and with this particular album there are strong stories about the album and, and about the songs on the album. So there's one song called Simon of Sudbury, um, hmm. which is about um, an Archbishop of Canterbury called Simon of Sudbury, who, who was beheaded in 1381 during the, what they call the Peasants' Revolt, the Great Revolt. And his head was taken back to a church in, uh, in Sudbury. Um, and it's still there. And you can go and see the skull in this church. And so I went one day. I wasn't thinking about music. I just went because I was interested. Yeah. But then a the song came out and some ideas and thoughts about life and what we do and how, how our life compares to 1381. <laughs> so, so to me, it seems natural to talk about that at the gig to let people know what, what I'm trying to tell them. I don't yeah. hand it to them on a plate, but certainly, you know, yeah. people make up their own minds, but you know, I try and, I try and, you know illuminate some of the some of my thought processes
0: yeah absolutely and I, I think that's really great it um i certainly found it very interesting to listen to and um it got me thinking that actually um when i when i do go on tours to try and spend a bit more time in those places kind of trying to learn a little bit more about about the history of 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 the places you go because sometimes you don't get to spend too long in fact i was in Sudbury the other day um for for a job but um you don't yeah, you often don't get time to kind of um do much when you go go into to towns and cities when you when you gig, do you? So um that's one thing I've decided to do is to try and try and spend a bit more time doing that.
2: Um, I hundred percent agree with that, Elliot. I think like that's one of the greatest joys for me about gigging, mm. going to places and just seeing them and, and yeah. you know, feeling them, even if they're really rubbish towns (laughs) or fantastic beautiful walled medieval towns or you know regional cities everything has a story and an interest Mm. you know and I I think every gig I go to I pretty much say to them right what's what's interesting to do here even if I'm driving back because I want to feel a bit of that earth and you know I I remember once I I went to Swindon and I said hello Swindon (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> What's next to Swindon? And the audience were at first really derogatory. They're like, I don't know why you've come to It's a rubbish town. But then after the gig, people came up and said, well, actually, there's the railway um, history and, you know, there's this place you could go and look at and the old town's really nice. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I think for me, you know, I don't really go on holiday. I gig a lot. Mm. And I, I'm, I'm excited about going to places like Swindon and, you know, places that I've never been before. Just to say you've been there and you've seen
0: Yeah. Uh, absolutely, I I, I I agree, and, and every t- every town or city, no matter what it kind of looks like or, or whatever, it has it has some kind of history which would be interesting to to go and learn about, I think, or or something to go and see. And um, yeah, I, I agree. I, I've often like stopped when I've been driving back from places and just gone, oh, what's near here? Oh, that that looks good. Let's just mm. stop there for a couple of hours and see what it's like, kind of thing. Um,
2: I think you get more. I think you get a more nuanced. I was going to say nuanced experience of life, which might sound a bit bit um, (laughs) off, but but you you know it's so easy, and I've done this as well, where you get in a van, tour van, and you go and play a game, You go on stage, you eat some burger and chips from a while you're down the road. You get back in the van, and you're you're home, or you go to the next town, and and you film. You don't you don't learn anything. You don't see anything. And for me, that I don't really enjoy that. I'd much prefer to, you know, find find out about things, talk to people, and go and see stuff.
0: Absolutely, and I yeah, I I feel the same now as well. I I've had that experience of of not seeing much, and I I didn't find it that fulfilling. But um, tell me about the album cover because I think it's it's stunning. That the, the colours are amazing and. Am I right in saying that's the the Olympia, the old Olympia? It is, yeah. I've, I've, yeah. Got, I've actually
2: got a CD of it here. Ah, yes. In my very poor lighting, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. everyone always has a go at me that um, I've got terrible lighting in my flat. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, this is um, this is the Olympia, which is one of the arcades on South End Seafront. And for those that don't know, South End is a bit maligned again, considered a bit of a naff town by some. Mm. loved and adored by many others including myself and yeah this is a picture of of the arcades and the whole package um was inspired and actually provided by um a, a local photographer sorry i'm trying to get work out <laughs> that was. Uh, a local photographer called uh Steve Collins Stephen Collins and Stephen Collins is a, a phenomenal photographer and he takes these really amazing photos of buildings Mm. mostly in Southend but all over the country and he takes them in ways angles that you don't recognize them so he'll he'll put up a picture he's he's released a book as well on buildings that I've known since I was a kid and I look at them and I think where's that I've never seen that building and then you think oh it's usually because I look at it face on rather than this angle and I just I've loved his photography for such a long time and with this album it, it seemed really Right to to ask him to to allow us to use his photos, which he really gratefully did. So, yeah, definitely check out Stephen Collins' uh, photography; really good. And
0: I think that that will segue quite nicely. I think I'm just going to play it again because okay, I really like it. So this will this will show people at home what I'm talking about—the artwork for the album, which is out on the 23rd of April. Is it? Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: Night worker, night worker doing your rounds the lights on the office block burn as you drown the thoughts of the morning in humble industry the gate of your walk in this moonlight city Drunker
0: Uh-huh. Yeah, and I heard that lyric again, which is which is <laughs> great. Um, and I, I love that artwork, it's brilliant. Um, so kind of um, obviously was, was was it written during the lockdown period or was it kind of um, over over time kind of thing, this album?
2: Yeah, really, really good question, Elliot. Actually hmm. it was recorded in May twenty nineteen. So it was oh, recorded. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um the songs I, I write a lot of songs. I um, I probably write about 25, 30 songs a year mm. probably, on average. Yeah, and wow. we had about 25, 30 songs for this album. And what I did is I, a bit like football, I graded them into different, um, you know, tiers, yeah. um, leagues. So I had an A league, a B league and a C league. I then I like sent, sent them to Andy Bell, the producer. And he said, yeah, I agree with 90% of your A league. I'd, I'd maybe promote these two songs from the B league. I'd probably demote this one from the A-League. And then we recorded 15 tracks back in May 19. And then the plan was to release it in 2020. But Mm -hmm. obviously, because of COVID, uh, it was decided that we should hold on. Um, And then we just held on for such a long time that we thought, let's do it in April 2021, because hopefully things will be back to normal by then. And of course, things are back to normal by then. But yeah, it's good to have it coming out.
0: Absolutely, and um, have you have you worked with Andy consistently, or, or is it
2: Yeah, I, yeah. So Andy Bell is a he's a, he lives in Sheffield. He's a mm. he's a fantastic producer. He's he's a really good friend of mine. And I met him. I was I was doing some session work for another fantastic singer songwriter called Neil McSweeney, mm. who's and sheffield again and andy was producing one of his records a record called cargo and i was invited up uh to sheffield to record and i met andy and i'd released my first album the water or the wave and i think andy said something along the lines of i'll do your record i i can do your record and um so he did my second with wolves and we had such a great time and then we, we did an EP with a string quartet called The Fro in twenty eighteen. Oh yeah. A New yeah EP, yes. Which was recorded in a in a fisherman's chapel in South End. Wow and this one. So yeah, I've I've been with Andy a long time and and I really I really like his style because he, he's never easy on me. Mm. And he, he never just goes, Yeah, that that's good. He always challenges um in a totally appropriate way. You yeah. know, it, do you think that's the best? And what if we do this, or what if we do that? And that's I think that gives it some objective rigour When we as songwriters, we just they're our as I said, they're our babies, aren't they? And we we don't want people to mess with them. And it's sometimes nice to have someone give an objective view as to something.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Um I think you know Dave Gerard, who I, I yes. did my album with. I think you've you've worked with him and it's exactly the same kind of um setup really. Yeah, because you're you're right, you go into you go into the studio or whatever and you've got these songs and, and you think, yeah, I'm pretty sure they're, they're how I want them. That's that's, and then you can come out with something completely different, but it's kind of improved the song like absolutely like, tons and you're like, Oh, I'm so glad we did that. You know?
2: Yeah. And, Dave, and Dave's a fantastic producer. And I, I did some stuff with Dave in 2018. Yeah. Um, uh, in his studio in Canning Town and in fact it's strange because I was thinking of Dave only today Mm. because I haven't I haven't been in touch with him for a little while and I keep meaning actually ever since lockdown I've been thinking I've got to drop him an email to see how he's doing but he again he shapes things very you know he 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 gets his brief you talk to him about what you want and then he 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 makes those judgments with you and yeah Yeah. he's fantastic
0: I yeah that's exactly the experience I've had as well and it's you know it's 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 crucial i think like you say uh, t- to have that kind of objective objective view and going back into the kind of writing so this is a this is a question which i've i've heard asked um by people by the way if anyone has any questions um fire away that they like answered uh we have around about 20 odd minutes so we've got we've got time for some questions if anyone wants to ask them and i'll put them on the screen and we'll try and answer them but um, yeah this is a question which I don't know I don't know if it's a relevant question or whether it's a a, a good question but firstly where do you, where do you write mainly and so it's a double question really where do you write mainly and do you, are you a morning or an evening writer or an, an a through the night writer I don't you know it's hard to say sometimes isn't it I
2: think, Elliot,
0: only someone who writes songs would ask
2: those questions. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's such an interesting question because I think you have a certain spot, don't you, where you, mm. the creative juices flow. I think I think before I answer, it's, it's, it's important to preface that I have a notebook, which I have with me all the time, because yeah. words and ideas and thoughts come into my mind at the most inopportune times, when you're on the train, <laughs> When you're in the shower whatever so i always have a notebook because i can write it down and it's it's stored there but i find my kitchen really inspirational wow and that's walk, interesting so i have my notebook open by my microwave and i will walk around my kitchen with my guitar and that is where i get a lot of inspiration i think it's because i like hard surfaces mm. and there's nothing there to distract me. If I sit in any other part of my flat, I'll be looking at books or records or, you know, I'll be looking through my mail. I'll be doing anything but writing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because in
2: the kitchen, there's nothing to do. So apart from cook, you can't do that. You <laughs> <with
0: the kitchen. laughs> can't do it all day. Yeah, so
2: yeah, So, so I, just for me, it's, it's a nice place. Also, the bathroom, I'll stand in my bathroom. It's such an odd thing, I know. but Wow. It's just a non-distraction. I think in terms of time of day, I'm. Um, I think it depends. I think it tends to be afternoon. I do a yep. lot of preliminary stuff in the morning. I'll do a lot of writing ideas and throwing muck against the wall and ideas against the wall in the morning. But it's not until after lunch that I sort of, I'm relaxed in my day. Occasionally, I'll do evening writing. Occasionally, but yep. um, yeah, yeah. It comes whenever it comes
0: yeah i i i I agree, and yeah, it's really interesting to because i've I've heard some people who only write at night or or some people who only only write during the day but but i I feel like it I feel like it can come at any time
2: how about you what what what's have you got a special room or
0: um I don't have a special place per se um I find I can kind of write anywhere really, but I suppose. I would say probably this sofa that I'm sitting on now um, is probably where where I just pick up the guitar. Um, I guess that's probably, probably the place. Um, but timing wise, I'm normally, I'm normally a more of an evening writer. I think I, I don't think I'm a very much of a morning person. So, um, it does take my brain a little while to get going, um, during the day. So, and I feel like my, I process the day and then, then stuff comes out more in the evening. So say after like five o'clock or something like that.
2: Yeah. And I think that I I did an interview with a great blog actually. I said, yeah. Mm. And um, they asked me a question a few months ago because they were saying that Nick Cave goes and does a a sort of nine to five. He goes into his office and writes and then he he just comes out and they asked me whether I would do that. Do you think that's a a thing to do? Mm. And I thought it was an interesting question because i could quite happily work seven hours a day on on songs but i think a lot of it's to do with inspiration and i think yeah. you, you need you need the inspiration which you i don't think you necessarily can work at it's just that will to do it yeah and then once you've got that will i think the more practiced and experienced you are in songwriting you draw that inspiration out and i think that's yeah. probably what nick cave does he has his inspiration and then he works on it throughout the day yeah produces a volume of stuff which gets whittled down to a, an album or, or a concert. And I, yeah, so I thought that was an interesting thing to put in the mix because I think people write in different ways.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I've heard Ryan Adams is very similar. He he has a 9-5 kind of regime and he, he has a typewriter apparently. Um, oh, okay. And he just sits there typing away um, on his typewriter. So, I mean, that's, that's a really cool image, I think. For, um, <laughs> I don't have a typewriter, but yeah, a notepad like yourself. Yeah. Um. And how long did the album take to write? Was it kind of, was it written over a short period or was it, was it just this kind of consciousness kind of seeping in?
2: Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever written an album for an album's sake, if that mm. makes sense. I think... I'm I'm always writing songs, as I say, and I think you just come to a point. It's a bit like a Neil Young, Bob Dylan approach, which is they write yeah. so many songs and they just go right. We'll take those ten. That's an album. We'll take those ten. That's the next yeah. album. And I think I operate in that way. I don't I don't necessarily sit down and go right. I need to write ten songs for an album. What I'll do now, for example, is that I've released this, or when I've released this, I've already got. 15 16 songs already written since lockdown wow. and they're not going to be the next album i'm not writing those to think like right, this is the next album because i know as we've just touched upon not all of those 16 will ever be on the album and by the time i get round to saving the money to do the next album i'll probably have okay. 25 songs so there's there's never been a, a situation where i thought wow this is i'm, I'm going down this path and this yeah, is yeah. the album. I'll very much go. I think it's time I need to do an album. What What have I got? And then I'll look at themes. And you know, with Clifton, there was very much I was going through a period where I was writing a lot about my hometown. Yeah, and recently, yeah. I've been I've been writing a lot. Don't laugh. I've been writing a lot about UFOs. Oh wow! Because <laughs> yeah. sort of stuff uh, that I experienced as a child. uh and I've just sort of worked sort of memory and memories and UFOs and wonder, the wonder of the world. So
0: yeah, yeah. the next
2: album might be something to do with that. It might not be. Who knows?
0: Who knows? And it, and like you say, it's great to throw out all these ideas because you never know where they're going to go and it might become something else and it might not. And um, who knows? But um, we have a question from... Um, this is a question from my mum, actually. Oh, ah, um, okay. <laughs> Hello, mum. Which... Artists have inspired and influenced your music the most? It's a really good question, Claire. And
2: as <laughs> you can see from behind me, I have, a, I have an extensive record collection. So it's a, it's a, hard, it's a hard question to answer. Um, uh, there's so many. There's so many. And I, I like different people. But I think off the top of my head, I'm, I'm, I'm a big Neil Young, Bob Dylan fan. Yeah. I love the aesthetic of Neil Young. I love his sound. I love his spontaneity. Dylan lyrically is just epic. It, there's just so much, and he's a yeah. bit like Picasso. It's it's more about his life than is necessarily his work. You know, it's it's all mm. one. Thing. But I re- I really like um, all sorts of things. I, I really like the musician Iron and Wine. Yeah. Uh, he's an American singer-songwriter. I love Tom Waits. Um, I've, got to look behind, I've got to look behind me. I love Ockerville River, which we're going to talk about a bit later. Um, all sorts of things. I've been really enjoying the new Bonnie Light Horseman album.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, my friend introduced me to that the other day, I, I absolutely love that. So yeah, I'm always I'm always looking at music um, and listening to new music. I like a lot of classical music. I really like choral music. I love. I love rock, all sorts of things.
0: And have you got a good record store still down in Southend? I I can't remember what's down there.
2: Yeah, good good question. We do. We have an absolutely phenomenal uh, record shop called South Records. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. It's based in Alexander uh, Alexander Street or Alexander Street. Should check. That. <laughs> but yeah, South South Records is a is a really great record shop and. Um, Rich, who works there, can can get anything in, and has a really eclectic um, selection. Hi- highly recommended, and he is posting awesome. up during COVID times.
0: Awesome! I I love. I've I've worked in record stores um, quite a bit myself, and I love to hear that there that there's still record stores going well. You know, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. especially during this time because it is difficult for everyone. Um, so I think that that kind of um, does draw us in quite nicely unless if anyone else has any more questions feel free to put them up oh we've got one more question here actually um mark whitehead uh evening matt are there any songs on the new album that you haven't played live in the last couple of years
2: that is a really good question mark and good evening mark hope you're all well um yeah there's actually quite a lot of songs on the album that i've never played live before um i'll list them now so there's one called soft white belly uh, which is the second track. I've never played that live. Um, there is there there is a song called The Author of All Things She Speaks, which I, I haven't played for for a long while. Mainly Great title. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard to play. Um, the Slow Decline is another song that I've never played live. Um, Remnants is also a song that I have never played live. So there's at least three songs on the album, Mark, that you will have never heard before
0: that's really cool um, (laughs) yeah that's there's some great titles there um i'm a bit of a sucker for titles if i hear a title i have to listen to the song um
2: i really struggle i don't know about you Elliot, but i really struggle mm. to write song titles i
0: i I write
2: a song and then i think oh what am i going to call
0: this yeah do you sometimes find you have a song that's been hanging around about a year and it still hasn't got a title and and you're like but then sometimes sometimes the title can be so simple or it's kind of not simple, but it, it, I I f- often find they come to me in the shower, or or um, when I'm out on one of my lockdown walks, which I do pretty much every day now. Um, things like titles then come to me then, but yeah, it's it's weird.
2: I always think the same with band names. When any mm. band name, you can, um, you can never think of one, and then as no. soon as the band's done, or <laughs> it's got a name. You think of a really good one.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. It's funny how it comes up. And Mark says, "You're selling it to me now." <laughs> yeah, great.
2: I know Mark's already bought it though. so
0: trade uh, <laughs> <graduate> market. <laughs> and and actually, it's it's available. I think I saw. Uh, it's, is it available to pre-order now?
2: Yeah, so it's it's available to pre-order. Mm. Um, we, we're doing CD, uh, and we're also doing a limited edition colored LP vinyl. Uh, we're only doing 300 okay. copies and also digital if you don't buy physical stuff. And you can get it at HudsonRecords.co.uk because they're, they've got everything on there. It's the, it's
0: the one-stop shop. Brilliant. And we have another question. Um, all of a sudden, the questions are flying, yeah, yeah, which is right? which is brilliant. This is what we like. So, yeah, if, anyone, if anyone's watching again uh, when we do these again, keep putting the questions in. That's great. Uh, Neil Ferris says, do certain periods in history time influence your most creative and most distinctive musical creativity
2: they do Neil. um i think i think if you're talking about like actual historical periods rather than musical periods i i don't think many people know this but i actually studied medieval history at university mm. so i'm I'm really really interested in medieval history and sort of roman dark age um which doesn't is, is not a natural bedfellow with music i don't think mm-hmm. but there's there's something quite i don't know i it's really hard to explain there's just something really mystical i suppose and relatable to me about people living in a time that's much more bloody and much more um, i think complex than ours even though Technologically, society-wise, they might not have been, although that might yeah. be a bit of a, a bit of a, a reductive statement. But yeah, I'd say medieval history um, is is definitely something that inspires me.
0: Yeah, no, that's really that's a really great question. Thank you, Neil, for that. Yeah, thanks, Neil. Um, so yeah, as um, the format of this show is basically, um, we're going to keep it the same every week. So it's we're talking about one song. And in this case, an album, because you got an album out, we couldn't not talk about the album. Yeah. Um, and then we're going to talk very briefly about a cover um, that you've chosen. Yeah. So um, I, I think this is for me, it's exciting because I like to hear like what people choose because then it gives me... Um, opportunity to go and listen to something that i hadn't heard before um i knew of ockerville river and i think i've said it right <laughs> yeah yeah, um, yeah, i always get it wrong um i knew of i knew of ockerville river and, and their music but i hadn't actually heard the song that that, that you sent me um so it's called ockerville river rip i think
2: yes it is um, um yeah
0: sorry yeah no i was just just gonna say uh tell us why you love it really <laughs> yeah
2: I, I think you you sort of um you asked me to pick a song and of course i instantly panicked and thought oh my god yeah. you know, it's what, hard isn't it i've got to pick one song that represents or something i can say interesting about it. yeah and this this i picked this song for a number of reasons first it's it's a modernish song i think it was released 2018 on their album away i'm a big with river fan um i love novelistic songs songs mm-hmm. that you get lost in and it refers again a little bit to what neil was touching upon about the history but mm. i love songs that i listen to it i go what does that mean what what are they referencing so this song yeah. is very dense it's like a novel you can get lost in it it paints a beautiful environment the end verse about him going into the bar watching the band is beautiful yeah. with the string arrangements he he name checks judy sill dying in a trailer park and Judy Seale is one of my favourite artists. He, he mentions a rap band called the Force MDs and a rapper called Doctor, DJ Dr Rock. I'd never heard of them. He references his granddad um, in his last days of his life. Just very emotive, beautiful imagery. Uh, he's, a, he's a superpower, this man. So a really good song.
0: Yeah. And where are they
2: from? They're from America. I, yeah. I think Will Will Schaaf is the singer-songwriter. Yeah main guy i think he's from new england originally but he lives in la now um i met him actually in london oh wow yeah and he's one of those people that's a lot taller in real life (laughs) yeah (laughs) but yeah they're just i just think they're lyrically immense and yeah they're just a great great band
0: yeah it's really well put the way you described it um novelistic because that's what i found when i I watched the video. I had to watch it a few times because there's so much stuff going Mm. on. It's brilliant. And um, and and then I got on a little bit, as you do, kind of like a little bit of a binge watching of other videos. And I think I ended up watching like a live show for about an hour. Um, I think that they were doing in England somewhere. Um, I can't remember. But I I think one of his songs, interesting you say London, because I think one of their songs references Camden Town. Um, It does. I heard... Yeah, that was it. Yeah, it was a great Brilliant. song, that. Really Brilliant. great song. And um, it's one of those things where I, I, I presumed they were American and then I heard Camden Town and I was like, ooh, Camden Town, okay. I know Camden quite well. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, it's it's funny when you hear kind of like um, artists from other countries talking about England, you know, because I, I find I write a lot about England and, and London in particular because um, I've spent a lot of time there. But, yeah, you don't always feel like, you know, other people from other countries would, but if they've toured there, then why not? Yeah,
2: yeah, and I think I, I read it again. I read a really interesting interview years ago with Richard Thompson, and he mm. he very much said, you know, it's American iconography is really it really suits rock music and modern pop music. You know, yeah, yeah. you know, Route sixty six and all that. You know, Chuck Berry, and Richard Thompson said I wanted to bring that sort of English iconography, and I think that again mm. g- goes back to my my interest in medieval history is I think there is a lot of things in British culture mm. that lends itself to great imagery, and great storytelling. So why not do it?
0: I completely agree. I completely agree. And, um, do, do you cover any of their songs in your live sets?
2: I don't know. I do no. cover a few songs, but, um, but not Ockerville River. So yeah, maybe, I yeah. should. maybe, it,
0: maybe it's a future thing. So I think, um, What we're going to try and do is basically we're going to try and play the video as we as we kind of depart today because we've we've hit 54 minutes, 54 minutes already. So we're going to try and make this available as an audio podcast afterwards. Um, I'm going to look into how we do that. It might not be out for a couple of weeks, but um, it will be available as as you see it now um, on Facebook and YouTube um, infinitely. So we'll, we'll leave it on there and it can be shared around. Um, used for promotion or whatever, and or you can watch it. People that want to watch it again um can. So, well, I just got to say, Matt, thanks so much for coming on. And thank you so um, much
2: for having me, Elliot. It's been really good. Thank you. It's for been me.
0: brilliant to catch up again. This is a time when musicians are are missing kind of um the kind of social element of gigging and touring and stuff. So, this is the kind of platform which we want to bring people together, even if it's just for an hour on a Wednesday Wednesday night. So. I hope everyone can join us again next week. I'll be announcing um, the guest for next week, probably uh, probably at the weekend. Um, so keep your eyes peeled on Elliot Porter Music and Isolation Gigs. Isolation Gigs is the platform which we set up um, to share things like this and and online gigs.